Thanks very much, everyone. You're very welcome. It's good to be with you again and good to see some of you, some new faces that weren't here last time. So I'm going to be kicking us off with how do we hear the voice of God? So just a small topic that we're just going to, you know, wrap up in half an hour. But um, I was really excited as well as slightly daunted when I heard the topic that was we speaking on this evening because I don't know about you, but is it an area that you just think, I could do with some more of that? You know, there's who doesn't want to hear more of the voice of God in their life? For, you know, I think every, on a day-to-day basis, but particularly when we're facing decisions and choices, you think, I, I want to hear what God thinks about this. And we want to hear him more clearly, want to be more sure that it's him. So that's what we're going to press into a bit this evening. But also to say, and Gareth mentioned this last week, that we're going to try and, you'll be pleased to hear, speak less and do more practical. So I'm not going to speak for as long as I did last week. We're going to keep it shorter. So it's going to be a massive talk and hearing the voice of God. I'm going to share some stuff. Lots, again, might be very familiar, but hopefully for me, even as I've been preparing it, it's just so good to be reminded of truth again, isn't it? And to press into some stuff that we know that maybe gets buried or forgotten. And so then we're going to have some time after I've spoken to practice this a little bit and have a play and hear the voice of God for each other. Some of you will be like, yes! And other people be like, oh no! Um, and I used to hate these moments sometimes. So we're going to get into groups and just practice and have some fun with hearing the Lord from each other. If you are slightly daunted to that, don't worry and just not hear anything else that I say we're just going to do that in small groups in a really informal way just to say let's just let's just try let's have a go and, and be really for one another as we do that so that's the plan um sometimes it can feel like when we read the bible or when we chat to other people that maybe we look up to that we hear you know about how God speaks and sometimes we can feel like wow that doesn't really match up with my day-to-day experience, my life, you know, does, does God really still speak in the way that he spoke in the Bible? Does it, does it quite match up? And I guess one of the things I'd like us to just explore a little bit, is it that God speaks less today? Or is it that his voice has been drowned out a little bit? Is his voice been drowned out by the noise and the busyness of life today? And actually, is it that? So that's what we're going to press into a little bit. I'm going to start off by looking a good place to start of what the Bible says about this. We gathered a, a quite a bit on the Bible last week, the theology of ministry. And so this is just, I guess, diving into a specific slice of that and going, what, is the, what do we, when we look at the Bible, see about how God speaks? I'm going to share a few things and then we'll explore from there. I'll share some references. I guess I'd encourage you if you're really... Some of these will be very familiar verses to you, but jot them down. We're not going to spend ages on each one. I'll mention them, jot them down, the verses, and then maybe just spend some time reading through and going, getting into those stories a bit more. So starting off in the Old Testament, angels. We know from, we've just had Christmas, hasn't we, that God speaks to people through angels. In Genesis 16, um, an angel from the Lord appears to Hagar and reassures her of her pregnancy and instructs her to return home to Sarai and Abram, later to become Abraham. We know he also speaks in visions. We hear lots about that, don't we? Genesis 15, um, earlier on than what we just heard, God speaks to Abraham and in a vision, and he says, your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars. And he's awake when that happens. That's distinct to dreaming. That's a vision that Abraham saw. 
But dreams, Genesis 28, God spoke to Jacob in a dream where he sees heaven and earth connected by a ladder, ascending and descending messages of God. And God reassures Jacob that he's with him and that he will fulfill his promise of offspring and land. Symbolic actions, Jeremiah 18. God sends Jeremiah to a potter's house to watch him work a piece of clay and speaks to him about the state of Israel. And as I was just preparing this, I don't know about you, but that can sound, all these can sound quite out there and quite impressive. But I was thinking, you know, Jeremiah has just gone over to a potter's house and he's watching him work a piece of clay. And, you know, he speaks to him about the state of Israel. And you think if that was just different language, you know, we go over, I don't know, we go into a shop or we go around a friend's house and they're, I don't know, building a garden shed and God speaks to you into your circumstance. Is it, is it really that different when you start to unpack it? It's you're in a situation, God speaks to you through what you're seeing in front of you. Actually, that feels a bit more normal, doesn't it, when you put it like that? Well-known ones to some, when in 1 Kings 19, God speaks to Elijah. And I'm going to unpack this a bit more in a moment through a gentle whisper. It's not through the tornado wind, the powerful earthquake, excuse me, or a blazing fire, but through a gentle whisper. I love that. Miraculous signs, a bit more different. In Exodus 8, during Moses' head-to-head with Pharaoh, God spoke and demonstrates his power over the dark forces with the miraculous signs and all the different plagues that he sent. We've seen that in the film, some of us, and we know that story quite well, perhaps. Or another one, one, the burning bush, when God appears to Moses in the burning bush and he's instructed by God. Wouldn't we all love a few more burning bush moments? You know, when you're not sure what to do. Is it the Lord? Is it, oh, look, there's a burning bush instructing me exactly what to do. I would love a few more of those, please. God also speak, spoke through a donkey. Let's all be encouraged. That's Numbers 22. Um, and then in a cloud and a pillar of fire. So Numbers 9, God directs the people of Israel in the wilderness as they follow a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And there are many more that we could mention, but the point is this. God spoke clearly and repeatedly to the people of God throughout the whole of the Old Testament. And then we go on and we look into the Old, sorry, in the New Testament. Hebrews 1 verses 1 to 2 says this. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. So in the New Testament, we see God revealed through his son, Jesus. So if we want to know what he's saying, what is on his heart, what's the message, we listen to and we look at the life of Jesus. That's how we hear what God's saying in the New Testament. And then, of course, we know what follows on from that is the ascension, the ascension that's hard to say, of Jesus back to his heavenly father. And God sends his spirit, doesn't he? And what did Jesus say of the Holy Spirit? John 14, 26 says this, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. It's the Spirit of God that continued to speak and lead and guide the disciples. And that's how he directs his followers today, through his Spirit. So I think the main thing to take, I know that was a bit of a whistle stop, but it's just to give, I guess, a flavor of the ways God spoke and is, has spoken in the Bible. There's loads of different ways. There's not one way, but he still does so today. So the question is, are we listening? He speaks, we've established that, but are we listening? 
And as I was preparing this and reading some of the stuff that um, Gareth has mentioned, I think the question that struck me and it challenged me deeply personally is, is he, is God the loudest voice in our lives? Is he the loudest voice in my life? Is he the loudest voice in your life? And I think in the culture that we live in, there is so much noise. And sometimes, without even realizing, I think our ears have got a bit deafened to the voice of God. And what do I mean by that? I think the noise of culture is drowning out the voice of God. We have every day, from the moment we wake up, information and sound coming at us. You know, I don't know if you, many of us probably use our phones to wake us up in the morning. Half of us, it's buzzing while we're asleep. We've got to turn it off. You're slapping the phone. But the moment you wake up, there's so-and-so's WhatsApp to you, and you think, oh, pants, I forgot to do that. I forgot to reply to that. Or you see the news feed about something else that is not very encouraging happening in the world. And, you you know, your emails maybe start to ping up, and it's bing, bing, bing. And, before, you know, you've only just opened your eyes, and there's so much coming at you already. You know, it's two minutes after the alarm went, and there's a lot happening. We've got TV, haven't we? Podcasts, iPhone, WhatsApp, text messages, 24-hour news cycle. And it comes and it comes and it comes. And sometimes it's become so normal to have that kind of constant flow. We don't even realize it. It's just there in a blur around us. And it's particularly, it's like this voice constantly. I think I noticed this particularly on Instagram. Of It's a constant voice of what the world thinks and what everyone else is doing. What everyone else wears, who they're spending time with, their successes, their whole... We know, we know ridiculous amounts about so many people, don't we? And it's, it's you know, constantly going, oh, did you know? And I can find my brain could just spiral about an image that I've seen on Instagram or social media and just take me off somewhere that I didn't even plan to go that day. But it also, a lot of the information that's coming at us, particularly from our phones requires us to respond and take action. It creates, it creates to-do lists for us, and it, it creates a pace of life before we've even decided what we're going to do with our day. I think our phone's going to encourage us to keep doing, 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 answer this, reply to this, you need to do this, you've forgotten this. I put reminders on my phone because I'm quite forgetful. But it's this constant, bing, you haven't done that. <laughs> bing, oh, whoops, I forgot to do that. And it's, you know, it's helpful. But actually, it just makes me feel worse. And I've just turned them off half the time. <laughs> There's a lovely little point. It just says, clear all. <laughs> and I just kind of, yes, I'd like to just forget all the things I haven't done. Thank you, stop reminding me. But I think the digital age, so the digital age that we're in, has huge implications for our discipleship. It's, you know, I was listening to John Mark Comer, who you might have heard speak at New Wine Talk. And he's saying apps are designed purely for distraction. They are designed to distract you, and they're designed to be addictive, to keep you in. You know, and there's, um, I don't know if you've seen that, I don't know if it's an app, Gareth will hope with this, but there's something on my iPhone now that can tell me my screen time, and it can tell me how much time I've spent in social media, and how much time I've been productive, whatever the definition of that is, I guess emails and all the boring stuff, and it tells me, and it tells me if my usage is up or down, and it's quite shocking when you actually see it in a percentage. It's quite like, whoa, oh, you know, you think you've only just checked things a few times, and it's like, Three something ridiculous like three hours on this, or you know, when you're seeing hours on social media or hours on you know certain things, it's very it's quite sobering. I have found to go, well, that's not right. When I've when I've seen it in numbers in percentage, that's not what how I want to be spending my life or my time. And you, social media does that. You're scrolling, scrolling. Oh look, an hour has gone by. You think 
That's, that's madness, isn't it? That's not what we want. On all of this, and I love lots of those things, make life easier and fun, and we have family in Australia. It's lovely to be able to connect with WhatsApp and photos. However, sometimes these little things that we have in our pocket rob us of the ability to be present with one another, but particularly with God. And they just, you know, it's almost like this kind of white noise constantly going in the background, isn't it? And I recently, um, I thought, you know, we hear these messages about, oh, we spend too much time on our phones and the dangers of that. And I was a bit like, yeah, that's very sensible. I should probably limit that. But I'm not that bad. And I think having the app and showing me how much I was using it, I thought, okay, I'm going to give it a bash. I'm going to give up social media. In particular, Instagram was my weakness. It was like confession time. And um, I would just scroll. I wouldn't really contribute. I'd just scroll through it just when I was bored. And I decided to just not do it for a week or two weeks at the start of January. I'm not just saying this. It's one of the best decisions I've made in quite some time. Just, it was like someone just turned down the volume. I just didn't have all this information coming at me and what so-and-so is doing and where they've been and da-da-da. And it just created space. And it made me realize almost how quickly I just, it's like a, weirdly, like a comfort thing, just scrolling. And so it just created time and space for silence for other things, for being present. And I just, I, I don't know, I found it, and I also turned off WhatsApp, which was a joy and a delight. And, um, and I've gone back on some of those things. It's not to say they're bad things, but I think there's something of, we've been naive to underestimate the impact they have on hearing God and what he's trying to say to us. The other one is um, so the noise and kind of culture and society. But the other thing I think is worth mentioning, is the voices of others. And some of that, like I said, comes through social media. I think I felt challengingly more so of, you know, many of us are blessed with lots of family and friends who we go to for advice. And I don't, you know, I so value having people in my life. I can ring someone up if I'm having a tough time or if there's a big decision, I can run it by them. And, you know, you might ask a few people to pray for us. And that's great. And hear me right. But there's something I've realized, one about who I go to first when there's a tough moment, had a bad day, who do I go to first? People. You know, I ring up a mate or I read it Gareth or I, you know, it's normally peace. So is it God first? Often it can create a sense of going to people first. But also I find that you can speak to so many people and then you get, you get so much, again, information and voices. And we've recently been processing some stuff and asked some friends to pray for us. And you get all these all lovely, godly, discerning voices, but they're all coming back. And, you know, and they've got great advice, but some of them contradict each other. And it's all these different, I guess, views, really, all in love. I just, I felt like the Lord say to me, but there's one voice that we really, really want to hear, isn't it? And it's great to have those people. Please hear me right. But it's just about going, who's the loudest voice in our life? Whose voice do we want to hear above those? And when there's so many voices, and I think sometimes there are some of us, and we probably know who we are, that, you know, tend to go to more to consult everyone. You maybe know if that's you. You're just going to ask everyone, and then you're just surrounded by all these opinions. And actually, it's just turning down the volume or valuing those, but weighing them and going, but what does God say in all of this? The noise of the world and of others can so easily drown out the voice of God. So what do we do about that? How do we make sure God's voice is the loudest? Well, Jesus frequently withdrew to quiet places. The busier he got, the more he withdrew. 
I've certainly found this in my life. I'm an extrovert by nature. I think for me, since becoming a mum and the constantness of kind of from the moment, if you're a parent, you know this, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep and sometimes in the middle of your sleep, you know, it's busy and it's full on, isn't it? And I found more than ever, I need to withdraw and have time to myself. Time to myself is a bit like my, you can probably track my sanity linked to if I've had time to myself and time with the Lord. After his baptism, we looked at this last week, Jesus goes into the wilderness in the desert. In Mark 1.35, we read, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke 5.15-16 Despite Jesus' instructions, the reports of his power spread even faster. And vast crowds came to hear him preach and be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. And one of my personal favorite stories in the Bible is well-known Luke 10, Mary and Martha. And Jesus comes to the house of Mary and Martha. And Martha is rushing around and she's trying to cook up a feast. And she's like, you can picture going, she's getting, Jesus is here. And she's trying to like get the food out. She's rushing around. And Mary, very annoyingly to her sister, just sat at the feet of Jesus. I can so relate to this because I would be in the kitchen going, uh, Mary, do you want to help out? And then I just loved this. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You know, we rush and we busy and we tired and we do the stuff and we try and plow the to-do list and we try and keep up and we go and we go and we go. And I just love how Jesus just cuts through this, but so gently, like Martha, Martha, bless you. I get it, but only one thing's needed. And I just love that. I think, you know, if you get up tomorrow, only one thing's needed. If you just get one thing done tomorrow, prioritize time with Jesus. It's never a waste, is it, time with Jesus? And I think one, the one often we're saying, you know, what's God asking me to do? And I think sometimes the one thing he's asking us to do is just to do nothing, just to stop. Just to stop and to be still and invest in our relationship with him. And I think one of the key things that sets us up to do this, and it's kind of countercultural, is silence and solitude. It sets us up to thrive in the chaos and the noise and the pace of modern life. And, I, you know, we don't talk about spiritual disciplines loads, but I think recently there's been, there's been more of that in the Christian world, and it's brilliant. How do we live in this world? We carve out time for silence, for solitude, for prayer, for Sabbath, for reading and memorizing our Bible, for fasting. These disciplines are like, can I guess, roots that will ground us for kind of the, the way, because otherwise we just get swept along. And I think sometimes it's only when we stop and we realize, oh, I should have stopped a lot sooner that we realize just how swept along we've got. I don't know if you're a city person. I notice this when I go say into London, you know, I, I'm, I love London, but I like to come out of it again. I'm like, yes, this is really exciting. Well, it's just really loud and busy and wide as I walk so fast and all that kind of chaos. And I like to come back out of it and I kind of feel the pace calm again. Henry Nouwen says this, he said, without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. 
We do not take spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside some time to be with God and listen to him. That's quite serious, isn't it? Without solitude, it's virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. And just, so it's about rest, it's about silence, it's about stillness and stopping. But it's also about relationship, isn't it? If we want to hear the voice of God, it's about relationship. And um, in John 10, there's the um, parable of the good shepherd and his sheep. And this, all that we're going to talk about tonight, about hearing the voice of God, it's about hearing the one that we know when you know someone, you know, you recognize their voice. I had a friend over this morning and her young toddler who's just starting to speak. And um, it's that funny thing, if you hear someone else's kid, you know, you can hear the blah, 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 and you're like, no idea what your daughter just said. And she's like, oh, she wants milk. And I was like, how did you get milk from that? But she, she knows her daughter, doesn't she? She's around her all the time. And I find the same with Jacob, our son. Like, I can understand what he's saying. Well, he can speak clearly now. But do you know what I mean? Most of his life, I could understand what he's saying. And others are like, I don't get what he's saying. It's that familiarity. And John 10, the good shepherd and the sheep, says this. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, the shepherd, and the sheep recognize his voice and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from them because they don't know his voice. When we spend time with our Father, when we invest in our relationship, we learn to know his voice. Isn't that lovely? I think of the closer the are, the easier it is to hear, the easier to know that's not the Lord or that is the Lord. I recognize it because he spoke about, he spoke that way to me last time. It's familiar. And moving on from that, there's something about the, our proximity to God that means we don't miss things. And I spoke a moment ago when I was talking about Bible verses in 1 Kings 18. Elijah wins this great victory against the prophets of Baal and he flees from his life and he finds himself exhausted and he's demoralized and he's waiting to hear from God. Maybe you're waiting to hear from God this evening. Maybe you're feeling exhausted and demoralized, a bit like Elijah. And the Lord says this, go and stand out. Go out, sorry, and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out, and he stood at the entrance of the cave, and a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? God does speak in lots of different ways, but often it isn't loud. You know, God isn't a massive shouter. He often speaks through the whisper. And I think we have this misconception that when it's God, when it's the voice of God, it's going to be like a trumpet sound and the earth will shake and it's this big booming voice. And I say that a bit, you know, slightly sarcastically, but that I don't know you, but I can often wait for the dramatic voice and the he's speaking now. And I think maybe it'll always come in worship or and actually it's so often not like that. God, I think the more and more I've spoken to people who hear the voice of God, particularly people who move powerfully in the ministry of the Spirit, I've had the opportunity to chat to some people, and I just remember going, 
how do you do, how do you know if it's the Lord? Like, how do you discern that? And I've just been both slightly like, oh, wow, or excited. They're like, it's just so often a whisper, a nudge, or a sense, or a verse might come to mind, or an image comes into my head, or a word. And it can so often, I've experienced this, and so many people say, it feels very normal and very ordinary. So if you're waiting, if you never feel like you don't hear the voice of God, and you're waiting for this audible voice, I'm not saying God doesn't speak audibly. I know people that hear it, but I know a lot more people that hear it just in a, just something comes into my mind. An image might come into my head. For me, often it will be a friend or someone will come to mind that I wasn't thinking about naturally. I think, that must be you. And I think, I'll just, just on the off chance, I'll text them. And they go, that's so funny you texted. Da, 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 this is going on. Would you pray for me? Or, and we only know that, don't we, when we press in. And um, I think we've assumed it will be more dramatic and when John Peter spoke here at third person, he said, and I, lo I love this because I, I think it's what a lot of us do, and I know I do. He said, why don't we start with, it's probably God rather than the other way around? Because don't you have that? Like something comes into your head, you're like, it's probably me. And, <laughs> and that's why generally most of my life I've got, it's me. You know, that's random. It's me. I'm not going to look an idiot. Just keep quiet. And what, wouldn't it be lovely if we went, well, the spirit of God dwells in us. So it's probably God. Let's say it and see and offer it and see what happens. And we, we, you never know until you say it. You never know. And I love it when people share testimonies of, you know, this, like, this came to mind, so I shared it. And then, you know, there's this incredible story of a life impacted where someone so feels the love of God because that person took the courage to speak out or to pray for healing. You think they would never have known that. They would never have known the goodness of the love of God if that person hadn't taken a risk and we said this last week, but are we willing to look completely stupid? Are we willing to not care and just go, you know what, I just had this. I was praying with someone last week at Zest, and I just got a picture of spaghetti, cooked cold spaghetti in my head. I was like, well, that's not very spiritual, is it? But it's that thing of say what you see, say what you sense, say it, share it, and let the person discern. Sharing a word or an image or something with senses is always going to be a risk. It's always going to be a risk. It's always going to take us to be a little bit brave, no matter how long we've been doing this. So just finally, I want to give us some time, like I said, prophecy. If you want to really read a brilliant um, passage in the Bible, what does the Bible say in the New Testament about prophecy? I encourage you to look at 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 to, 1 to 5. So that's 1 Corinthians 14, 1 to 5. It said, let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will only be talking to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, it encourages them, and it comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues, unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Prophecy is to strengthen, encourage, and comfort. And often we might think, how do I, you know, I talked about just sensing something, taking a bit of a risk. You know, we're going to get practical. Now, how do I know if it's God? Well, three little practical things before we jump in. How do you test a prophecy? So first thing. Does it strengthen, encourage, and comfort? If it doesn't, 
bite your lip, swallow, don't say it. If, you know, we're testing things against the Bible. So that's the first thing. Weigh it against 1 Corinthians 14. Is it encouraging? Is it going to build this person or the church up? Second thing linked closely to that, does it contradict the Bible? If we are given our prophecy or we're sharing one that contradicts something in the Bible, then it isn't from God. That's our yardstick. Does it contradict the Bible? Does it strengthen, encourage, and comfort? And thirdly, do others affirm the prophecy? And that's others in the church family. And that might not be true for every single word that you give, but there's something about weighing with others words that you receive and going, does that land with you? And also, actually, you know, when, I don't know, the leadership team might get a prophecy in from someone that someone feels is for our church, and you might say, well, they would, they would weigh that as a leadership team, and they would discern that. And 1 Corinthians 14, 29 says, two or three prophets should speak, and others should weigh carefully what it said. So something about weighing and testing with others as well. And just finally a word on when we receive a word, so you might, when we're about to do this for each other, you might get something come into your head. So we call that revelation, a word or an image. But we often need to go, Lord, you know, what is the interpretation? So for example, I know you get an image of spaghetti in your head like I did. And you go, hmm, Lord, what do you mean? What do you mean by that revelation? Lord, would you give me the interpretation? I've got a spaghetti in my head. I'm guessing if I just say, I've seen spaghetti, it's not a massively encouraging or strengthening or really informative in any way whatsoever, is it? So, Lord, what might you mean? Should they go to Italy? I'm just joking. Do you know what I mean? But what is the interpretation? Well, after a bit more information, we're weighing it a little bit. And then we need, and then the third bit is that's revelation. We, we sense something. Interpretation, Lord, give me a bit more. What does that mean? What are you saying? And the third thing is application. And that's all to say on that is let's be really sensitive about how we share things, whether that's one-to-one or whether that's up the front if you, you know, come and share a word at church. You know, Lord, do you want me to say this now? Is this, I'm, I'm sensing something, but is now the right time to share this? And, and how do you want me to say it? We always offer, we talked about this when we were talking about doing prayer ministry one-to-one. We're saying we always offer it with love and humility. We never insist, I have heard the Lord spaghetti, partly because that would be very brave. But also it's just that thing of gently, humbly, how do we offer it? We offer it really gently. So that's far too much talking and probably too much. I said I'd speak for less. Um, but what we're going to do now is get into groups of about three or four, just small groups of a few people, and we are going to have a go. And what we're going to do is we're going to go around and for one person at a time, just spend some time in silence, all listening for that person. So if you don't know the names of everyone in your group, just share names. And we're going to spend some time listening and just sense. And it's just going to be for a minute. So don't worry, there's not going to be this enormous quantity of time. We're just going to, you really are going to time it from the front. We'll just say, you've got a minute. Everyone try and hear the law for that person. And then we're going to share everyone in the group's shares for another minute. So, and then we'll move on to the next person. So we're just going to keep it moving. If you don't have anything, don't worry. But I would encourage you, if you're not sure, just have a go. And let's just be really encouraging. I know you're all super lovely, but rather than the, you know, that was, yes, that was on. Mm, let's, uh, you know, let's just be really, yes, thank you. Thank you. For, let's really affirm and encourage each other as we have a bash. So if you want to get yourselves into threes or four, I'm going to invite Gareth up.